Hello, and welcome to Serene Reflections, a podcast of Dharma Talks from the Wallawa Buddhist Temple. I am Rev. Clarissa Beattie, a Zen monk and Buddhist priest from the mountains of Northeast Oregon, where we practice contemplative meditation, the Chan of Bodhidharma, the Zen of Dogen, the Serene Reflection Meditation of Rev. Master G.U. Kennett. You are invited to let yourself grow naturally still, to let go of the world for a while. Join us in listening in sound, in listening in stillness, turning within to listen from the heart that seeks the way. Before setting out on my journey to the monastery, I had received a message from one of the monks there, saying that she hoped I would have a safe and pleasant journey. How kind, I thought. Of course, this is our wish for ourselves, whenever setting off. This is our wish for life, that it unfold as safely and as pleasantly as possible for ourselves and for others. I often say something like this to temple guests as they head back into the world, into their lives, wishing them a bon voyage or have a safe trip. I made my recent journey knowing full well that we are in the midst of an extreme wildfire season, so on the morning of my trip I researched what was happening in the wide area I needed to cross, and chose a route which seemed to navigate around the existing fires. There was no way to avoid the heat or the thick smoke covering our region, no way to avoid some degree of risk. In order to attend the monastic funeral of the monk who had ordained me, many years ago. I took along extra water, checked the car and its emergency kit over thoroughly, and planned gas stops carefully. After all, there's unforeseen risk in any journey. Just in living, anything can happen. We don't dwell on it. We just take reasonable precautions and then get on and do what needs to be done. I was prepared to face a certain amount of unpleasantness on the long drive, owing to the season, but this wasn't going to keep me from making the trip. Nonetheless, as I set out and traveled the long miles and hours, the conditions of lightning, wind, and hot drought were combining to start a wildfire in one of the dense forests along my route. 
unknowingly. I was on a trajectory heading straight towards an emerging situation which had not yet hit the news. While still a couple of hours away from this new fire, I did see a high smoke plume growing straight up, way off to my right over distant mountains, towards an area where I knew there was an older fire complex. The thought crossed my mind that it was probably related to that older fire, which I was sure they must have well under control, having checked on it just that morning. So I kept going the way I had planned. I had been driving for about eight hours when I stopped for gas in a little town. All seemed well. The polite young man who filled the tank was relaxed and friendly, the other drivers at the station all unhurried and smiling. Turning back onto the highway, traffic was light and normal, and there was a smattering of water droplets on the windshield. Looking up, I noticed ominous gray thunderclouds gathering over the mountain off to the right of the two-lane state highway I was on. That smoke plume seemed a bit closer than it should have been, but cars and trucks were flowing in both directions as usual. All at once, I saw a bright red glow flare in the thick trees on the ridge of that mountain between us and the growing smoke plume. That's getting kind of close, I thought, as I kept driving. Then I saw another blood-red flare-up and began to grow concerned. Passing through a junction with a stop sign for the road coming in on my right, I noticed a large red fire engine stopped at it. The firefighter driving it was grinning broadly as he chatted with the person sitting next to him, and waved me to go on in front of him before he turned slowly, falling in just behind me, with no lights flashing. Since he seemed unhurried and unworried, I kept going, somewhat relieved. I tuned in a local weather station. No alerts. Then, up on the mountain to the right, the red glow spread suddenly across the crowns of the thick forest. Storm winds blew and heavier raindrops spattered on the car roof. It dawned on me at last that a wildfire was blowing up nearby. I began offering merit. About the same time, in my rearview mirror, I caught sight of the now serious face of the engine driver. Still no lights flashing. I kept going, since there was really no way to turn off or go back and keeping to the highway seemed the safest bet, driving mindfully at the speed limit to prevent an accident. Up on the mountain, the smoke began to billow, driven toward us by the dark storm clouds from the other side of the mountain, and orange-red tongues of flame galloped along the canopy, devouring the forest in their path toward our road. Time began to move in slow motion, as if in a dream, as I kept driving. 
It was like watching a massive fire dragon disgorging itself across the slope above us all, rolling down relentlessly, ever nearer. On either side of the highway there were homes in amongst the tall conifers. Glancing up toward the progress of the fire while keeping one eye on the road, I caught a glimpse of someone dragging a heavy garden hose, then of someone loading a horse into a trailer. Everyone was looking up toward the flames. Then I saw a worried-looking trooper by a navy blue patrol car blocking a road off to the right. Then, further on, a white and green sheriff's truck pulled up and a deputy got out with a grave expression, moving fast in the direction of one of the homes. The lights and siren went on behind me at last as the engine braked and pulled off into a gravel drive to the right. I kept going. The fire dragon came on relentlessly, and I realized its path threatened to cross the highway behind me. Some way down the road, after flashing my headlights at each oncoming vehicle with little effect, at last I saw the white Department of Transportation trucks on their way with barricades for a roadblock. There was no traffic following now in my lane. I offered merit again for all the beings still back there facing the dragon. Some ways further on, as time resumed a seemingly normal progression, I offered gratitude as well for having passed the hungry dragon by and come through unscathed. The origin of the word unscathed is from the Old Norse skada, meaning to hurt, harm, damage, or injure, in the sense of searing, scarring, or scorching. When later I looked up the map showing that fire's area and its southern boundary, I saw that its progress had been halted at that highway, along that very stretch. Those homes had been evacuated. What became of those buildings? Were any of those people I saw injured? Did they and their animals get out safely? Saying I was unscathed implies that things could have been much worse. That I had a very near brush. On reflection, I was offered any number of opportunities to take note and be more aware, with or without the option to evade what was unfolding, yet I continued to be oblivious. Why did I not heed these signs and wake up sooner? It's one thing to see images and to read reports and hear stories of wildfire. 
It's another thing entirely to pass so near to one, even unscathed. I can only imagine that it must be yet another thing altogether, actually to be scorched by such a thing, or to perish in it. Later on, safe at the monastery, when I had some quiet time to reflect on what I had experienced, I realized there was some very valuable teaching in it for me. This encounter with the fire dragon of impermanence was not a theoretical experience. Real-life encounters with impermanence put things into perspective. What do we mean when we say things are put into perspective? What are the things, exactly, which get put into perspective? My life's purpose. Am I fulfilling it? My karma. Am I cleaning it up? How may I do the work within my heart in this very moment? This life can end at any time. What matters? What matters for all beings? What matters for myself and others, including both self and other, including all others? How am I with others? How am I with myself? To me, putting things into perspective means seeing things as they truly are, not just as I would like them to be, or even just as I would define them to be. Once seen, the truth of impermanence cannot be unseen. The arising of a life-and-death situation which I can't avoid is not itself suffering. The suffering arises when I push away or cling to what is arising, whether it is pleasant or unpleasant.
There is a Zen teaching to train as if your hair were on fire or to practice as if there were a fire burning on your head. This advice is usually meant as an encouragement to get up the will. I have found that when the whole world is on fire, when there could well soon be a fire burning on your head, it can help to remember the waters of compassion ever flowing. The universe is signaling, ever-changing, gesturing, waving, that what is now will not always be. What compassion that I need not remain in ignorance that I may wake up and heed the prompting to do what needs to be done. To recognize that this life is short is not to say that this life is grim. Reminders of impermanence can prompt us to see that this life is sweet, that this life is full of opportunities to let go of clinging. Instead of feeding panic or despair, when we encounter the transience of life, we can let this clear seeing help us to appreciate our human life and all it offers. A brush with impermanence can inspire us to do the work of the heart, to be kind, to help all beings, and not to take for granted those whom we love and all that we have and are. And also not to tarry in taking steps toward fire prevention, for example. The Buddha experienced four reminders of impermanence at the beginning of his search, what Buddhists call the four sights. The four sights refer to the four people the Buddha saw when he ventured outside his pleasure palace for the first time, when he began to look beyond his usual perspective. He saw successively an aging person, a sick person, a dead person, and finally he saw a monk. With each one of the four sights, the Buddha became increasingly aware of the reality of the transient nature of life. This was possible because he himself identified with each one of these people. He realized that he too would eventually grow old, grow ill, and die. He realized 
that he would have to let go of the world as he knew it and defined it. And this motivated him to begin his search for meaning to his life, to do the work within his heart. How do you experience impermanence? The lesson of impermanence may come in small ways, like the poignant simplicity of seeing a child off to the first day of school. It doesn't have to be learned only through wildfire or at funerals and the like. And it may come in ways which demand all our attention as if a giant fire dragon were to come at us over the mountain. Then again, even major events like this may come and go, and still we may not see where they are pointing us. At times, the truth is laid bare, that all things which arise must pass away. This need not cause fear and dismay, though it may well give us pause and even leave us gasping. The four sights in Buddhism are also seen to have been four heavenly guardians in disguise come to accompany the Buddha, to stay with him, to guide and protect him on his way. That they appeared to him was a blessing and a kindness, because he saw where they were pointing and took heed. It is the great compassion of the universe that the truth appears in plain sight all around all of us, right where we can see it. The truth of our being is not hidden at all, once we can only bring ourselves to truly look and allow ourselves to see clearly. then life's journey can indeed be safe and good. And wherever the road takes me, and whatever the conditions, I can do the work within my heart.
Thank you for joining us in listening to Serene Reflections from the Heart that Seeks the Way. To learn more about this practice, including more about how to meditate, you are invited to visit our website at walawabuddhisttemple.org. Here, in the Kanzayan Shrine of our Meditation Hall, we offer the merit of our practice of serene reflection meditation to all beings, including you, wherever you may be.